Independent. Expressive of a spirit of independence, self-confident, unconstrained. Good evening. Welcome to Independence Day. My name is Joe Armstrong, and this is the show that examines the changing face of the music business and the people who are doing the changing. Independence Day brings you independent artists, producers, and music industry visionaries with in-depth interviews, live performances, and inside information, all without hype and direct from the artists who practice their craft. Tonight on Independence Day, I am very happy to welcome Jonathan Clark. What exactly denotes success in the music business? Is it making a handsome living without a day job? Is it playing for thousands of adoring fans? Is it selling millions of records? Or is it something more elusive, like writing great songs regardless who hears them, or staying true to your artistic vision whether or not you sell a lot of tickets? Jonathan Clark might have something to say about all of these questions. Clark is perhaps best known as a successful session vocalist and bass player. His current marquee gig is playing in genre-busting country star Dwight Yoakam's crack band. But he has also backed up heavy hitters like Glenn Fry, Don Henley, and Joe Walsh from The Eagles, Michael McDonald, Peter Cetera, Laura Branigan, and Christopher Cross. But Clark is not simply the guy who provides harmony vocals in the low end for household names. His most recent release, I'm Just Saying, should convince any non-believers that he is a top-notch artist in his own right. The 12 songs on the record are catchy and expertly produced, and they are delivered with his confident and accessible voice. Jonathan Clark is, simply put, a success by any measure. Welcome to Independence Day, well, Jonathan Clark. Quite an intro. Thank you very much. Yeah. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, man. I'm happy to have you. You can use that to pick up girls anytime you want. <laughs> yeah, can you just print that out for me? I am gonna want. You know what's so funny? I'm, I'm a, Put that on a business card. So many like of my guests say something like that. Like I always try to write something about every guest, you know, something kind of unique about each person. And they're all like, Man, would you would you read that to my wife? They all say. Because <laughs> she needs to hear that. Is what they invariably that each and every funny. one of them. So man, it's 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 great to have you here, and and you're, you know, there's there's a couple things unique about you. You're a, you're a great artist and singer songwriter, well, you know, amazing voice, you know, really uh, facile guitar player. But you're also the last member of Dwight Yoakam's current band to have be on my show of his band. Now I, now that you're on the show, okay. I've had all of you guys, and you guys are really are a crack band. You guys are great players. Anybody who should anybody who hasn't seen Dwight play with this band needs to go and see this forthwith. It's a hot show, man. Yeah, this is a really interesting uh, incarnation of this band. I've been actually singing with Dwight for, God, close to 14 years now. I've been, yeah. you know, since about 2000, been uh, singing on a lot of his records. And I've seen different different bands and musicians kind of come in and out of his band. And they're all amazing. He only has, like, the, the coolest, most interesting players Um and this is this is a really cool band. It's small, probably one of the smallest bands that I've seen, and uh, except for when he was doing the real broken down acoustic thing. Uh, but it's really fun. It's just a small, mighty band. We're and, the monkeys. We're uh, we, <laughs> lo- we love hanging out. We um, we all get along, and it's uh, it's fun. And the thing about this band, because I've seen you guys play live a couple times now. I mean, it's essentially a rock band, and that's the thing that yes. people who you know Dwight has always been kind of that kind of straddling that line you know between country and rock he wears the boots and the hat and he's got the woo in his voice the honky-tonk thing but the band is amped up and loud and it's tube amps and it's cranked yeah the the crew always teases us uh they call us dwight talica and uh-huh. uh so you know the, the the guitars are hanging low at least you know mine is and uh it's yeah it's kind of a it's kind of a rock band it really is uh Three pairs. This new record that he just did that uh, that we all were fortunate enough to play on. Great uh, record, by the way. Good, good work. Thank you, thank you very much. Um, he 
there's a couple of things that are that are kind of country, but really the most, you know, the only thing really country about it is Dwight, his name and his voice, and the boots, and the boots, of course, and, and the jeans. But but it's a it's a very uh, pretty eclectic record, very interesting and unique, and again groundbreaking as far as just Dwight pushing the boundaries of country and what it's supposed to be. And uh, just trying to stay as far away from Nashville, I guess, is is possible, which is great. Yeah, and that's the unique thing about, the kind of unique bad thing about country music in 2013, almost 2014 now, is that a guy like Dwight Yoakam, who's kind of a traditionalist in a way, can't get played on country radio. He's too good for country radio. That is is crazy. Uh, I don't, yeah, kids don't know what a shuffle is these days. You know, which is one of the things that that Dwight and uh, this band kind of specializes in. But uh, yeah, it, it is really interesting. However, we we were just in Nashville, played two shows at the Ryman, sold out. They had hollowed actually, halls of country, hollowed music. halls of country music. Yeah, and he actually they they added an, uh, a second date because we the first show sold out like instantly. Uh, so there there is there's a group of people that still really love and respect and it's almost uh like maybe curious it's like Dwight Yoakam hmm yeah Yeah, I know he's a country icon he's like this legendary you know he's like the last of the real old school the real deal country artists who hasn't burned out you know he's not naked what's was it Randy Travis last earlier this year was it this year I think where he was was he naked and getting in fights and you know, Dwight hasn't like gone bananas like that. No, he has not gone bananas. Uh, and it, he's, man, some of the stuff that, that he's, sounds like he's coming up with next and some of the sound checks and things that we're doing, uh, he is showing no signs of slowing down. And it's just, it's kind of getting getting crazier. It's getting more yeah. more raucous and rock and roll. And he just, he wants to go back to some 60s and 70s kind of just like an approach to music and just the way that we're recording and that we did a lot of the stuff on the uh, the three pairs record which is just a band in a studio all playing and some really great stuff has been coming out of it so yeah i'm well, very proud very well, proud to be a part of that it's music to my ears to hear he's going to keep going down that road because it's a really cool road and he's doing he really quitting. cool things he ain't quitting good thing but there's the thing like you're you know you've certainly you play in dwight's band you know you uh it's it's a big deal it's kind of like your your day job for lack of a better word it's <laughs> it's your marquee gig it's what's it's your bread and butter gig uh, but you're a musician in your own right as well. I mean, I'm sure, you know, well, I want to come back. I'd like to, you know, I want to play a track from your most recent record. We'll come back and talk a little bit more about both your record, your experience in music, and also like how you got to be from a session vocalist singing Dwight Records to being a full-time member of his band, both singing and playing bass and like being okay. part of that boys club. So, but, but first, I want to play a track from this record. It was just a few years ago. It's 2008 already that this, that, that record came out, right? This most recent record oh of yours? Oh, God, really? Isn't that what you said? Wow. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. That just seems like yesterday. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. All right. Well, this is the track, Best Way, from Jonathan Clark's record, I'm Just Saying. Let's rock with this on Independence Day.
Tonight's guest on Independence Day, Mr. Jonathan Clark. He is a guitarist, a singer-songwriter, a bass player. He's got a wicked voice, and he's a full-time member of Dwight Yoakam's band. If that's not a cool thing to put on your resume, man, I don't know what is. You can learn about him at jonathanclarkmusic.com. Pretty traditional spellings there. You can find him on Facebook, facebook.com slash jonathanjclark, J-A-Y. And then also you can follow him on Twitter at at jonathanjclark with just the letter J. Pretty easy. You're pretty much web-enabled. And as always, of course, follow us at Indepday, I-N-D-E-P-D-A-Y, Indepday.com. You can find both Jonathan's episode as well as 92 other episodes of great artists that I'm very proud to have had on this show. And I'm happy to welcome you to those people, man. Thank you again. So we were talking about Dwight. I don't want to go too far down this road, but I feel like we got to get this story in about how you went from being like a vocalist in the band, just like singing in sessions, right? Mm-hmm. Essentially, he's yeah. like, you know, we need we need harmony vocals, call Jonathan. Is that how it started? Well, you know, uh, interestingly enough, I I can thank uh, Taras Berdoniak, I guess, for uh, who is his uh, very, you know, longtime bass player, played on many, many records. Um, I guess this is how it happened. Uh, we may have to check with him, but... He, I was working with a guy named Kevin Dukes and Scott Plunkett. These are like guys that were with Henley and Jackson Brown. And it was this band that I was kind of working with. And um, we had all ended up kind of being Peter Cetera's band at one point as a kind of an entire section. We had an original project. And through connections, we ended up doing that, uh, doing Peter's gig. And Taras had called up Kevin Dukes, I believe, and said, hey, man, I'm looking for a country singer. Do you know any L.A. country singers? And Kevin Dukes, who's from Natchez, Mississippi, he, uh, he said, you know, you should call Jonathan Clark. I think he might, uh, I think he could do this. So called me up, and I never in a million years thought that I would be singing anything remotely country. Uh, kind of grew up rebelling against that in a family band that I had. And that actually was kind of helped support my family with this band. And um, so I kind of fought that tooth and nail uh, with my family. And then it turns out later that I could kind of turn some of those inflections and sing some of those phrases. And uh, Taras had started hiring me to do some sessions for some people that he was producing and working over at the studio that Dwight had worked at, and Pete Anderson at the time was kind of coming in and out of the studio and pop his head in, and it's like, oh, who's that? And, you know, so uh, Dwight was doing Tomorrow's Sounds Today, I believe it was in 2000, and it was going for a little bit more maybe rock, poppy kind of a thing, and I uh, was looking for a singer, and to my knowledge, Pete said, you know, it's like, man, I heard this singer that Taras was working with, and maybe we should give him a try. So I got a call, came in and sang, and about seven albums later. So was this the kind of deal where you showed up and Dwight's not even there? And you just kind of added harmony vocals? Or was is he the type of guy that hangs around the studio for all the overdubbing? He's the kind of guy that hangs around the studio for all the overdubbing. Because he's kind of into the process, right? He's definitely into the process. This was kind of near, I guess, the end of uh, of him working with Pete. Um, he would... He would definitely show up. I mean, Pete and I would maybe get started, you know, just kind of get some stuff, get some stuff going. But Dwight would definitely come in and and uh, and listen and throw his two cents in. And so, yeah, he's he's very much involved. 
Yeah. So then you'd sung on several albums. Tell me how it developed from just showing up in sessions and singing to being like the guy holding down the low end. Because that's a whole different level. That's a whole different thing. Sure. Yeah, plus you have to load in all your gear when you're... Of course. <laughs> when you're... When you're a bass player on a with, session. You know, Jonathan, with great responsibility comes great responsibility. That's right. That is, yeah, very true. Uh, it was, I don't know, maybe the, it wasn't the second, it wasn't Blame the Vein. It was maybe uh, we were doing used records or we were doing something for, I don't know, there was a bunch of other recordings. It was a ZZ Top tribute thing and then there was even the Bakersfield Biscuit commercials and all of that stuff. So anyway, for some reason... At track records down there working on something, and Dwight walks in. And it's like, hey buddy, how you doing? What you know? What have you been up to? And you know, where you been? How you been? Told him, uh, I just been been out on the road, you know, with Glenn Fry and Joe Walsh and Christopher Cross, and uh, and he said, I, I didn't know these guys traveled with a singer. To which I replied, I'm actually a bass player, and I've been on the road for over 25 years, actually, as a bass player, touring bass player. And uh, he had no idea. So he, I don't know, he just had that look in his eye like, hmm, boy, if I ever need anybody someday. And we kind of go back and forth, and I couldn't, you know, I was too busy working with other, other people. And, and uh, my schedule freed up. He was looking for somebody. He called me up and said, hey, man, I got a gig. You want to just come out and do one gig? And uh, I could really use you on this, and I'd love to, love to see how it fits. And, and I was available, and I wanted to come out and see how it fit, and, uh, and it fit really well. So how did it feel? Like Because, you know, that's, it's one thing I've noticed you've done. You've backed up a lot of your you're kind of like your idols. You know, because yes. you grew up listening to like the Eagles, and that's why I'm in the music business. Yeah, exactly. So you get, you know, see, I guess at this point you've got some kind of rapport with Dwight already, having done so many sessions with him. Mm-hmm. But yet, that's a really good gig to get. Like, is this the kind of deal where, you know, you kind of get a call and you're like, and, you, and you're like super excited, and you like spend 28 hours learning every possible note of every possible song, or is this the kind of thing where you you kind of felt well? you know, Providence will take care of me. It'll either, it'll either work or it won't. Like, how, is it somewhere in between? I'm curious. <laughs> Can you repeat the question? <laughs> no. Um, well, the question was, how did it feel? Like, you get a call from Dwight, like, hey, why don't, why don't you come sit in on bass? I mean, you've played with a lot of heavy hitters by this point. Yeah, you know, I, I oh, man, I hate to, hate to say this, but, uh, I mean, I definitely knew who Dwight was, worked on a lot of his, his stuff, was thrilled to, to get the call, and, to have the opportunity to work with him. Um, I was on the road. I actually kind of defaulted into a gig playing, touring with the Platters when I was 16 years old. So it's just been kind of weird how, uh, and not even really, it was almost like accidentally getting into the music business again, which is really weird. Um, Especially considering so many people work and bleed and like, claw tooth and nail just to get a toehold in the music business to kind of fall into it that's a beautiful thing it was it was really it was really really weird i gotta say and the you know after that i mean i'd done a lot of playing around and done some sessions and singing on commercials or whatever and um just playing in bands and then when i was really early 20s um somebody who was playing with Laura Brannigan, the guitar player for Laura Brannigan was playing in the band and said, she's looking for a bass player. Do you want to, are you interested in this gig? 
like, oh my God, yes, of course I'll, you know, would love this gig. A paying gig? No, no, please. Gig. Yeah. Anything but that. Um, and it's, I, I don't know why this is. I mean, I probably should have been more starstruck, I guess, but, but it just, everything just kind of like my life, everything just changed and happened so fast that I didn't even audition for the gig. It was like, uh, okay, so you're available. The, the MD called me, said, you're available. I'm like, great. Um, he said, you'll fly from LA to Sydney. We're going to be there for two weeks and then we're going to go to Japan and then we're going to go over to Singapore and then we're going. So I had this like full tour. I just kind of like, it just kind of happened. And I just kind of met her and I was just so distracted kind of by learning the stuff. And I mean, it was great, but it was weird. I wasn't even really starstruck or kind of freaking out like, oh my God, that's Laura Brandigan and I've got this gig. Because it just, I don't know, it just happened strangely. And then I just kind of walked into, I just got recommended for Carlene Carter, played with her for a little while. And then after that, this Peter Cetera thing, it just kind of a recommendation. And then that just kind of happened. And then it was like, oh, you play with him? Well, Glenn Fry's looking for a bass player. Yeah. It was like, and then that just happened. So I, since you know, I was barely 21, I, yeah. I never really auditioned for a gig. Yeah, once you get to a certain circle, I've found, you know, like it's once you know, you've established your reputation as some guy or girl, whatever, in your case, of course, guy both. who's going to both, <laughs> right, depending on the day of the week or your, your fancy or the gig itself. Sensitive. Well, you know, I once saw Cracker, uh, what's his name, the bass player, the original bass player from Cracker, uh, last, I, last I heard of him, he was uh, Davey Farragher, was playing with Elvis Costello. And the first time I saw Cracker play live, way back in the 90s, early 90s, he came out in a dress. And he's a big dude. I mean, okay. he's six three or six, four. I mean, he wasn't in drag, but he just came out to play the show at the Metro in Chicago in the dress. And we just thought it was hilarious, you know? So, you know, you, maybe you could be wearing a dress. Now you've got me all off topic. He's too. just so big. It's like, who's going to tell him that? Exactly. Yeah. Who's going to mess with Davy Farragher? Oh my God. That's big, hilarious. He's a big boy. Now I've totally lost my train of thought. I had a point there somewhere. I think there was a point about it was just kind of falling into these gigs. Yeah, that's it. Once you get into a certain circle of these people, uh, you've got a reputation. You've established your reputation, and they know you're going to show up. You're not going to be drunk or high, or if you are, you're still going to play ex excellent, you know, uh, and you're reliable. You're going to be where you are, where you're, you know, where you're asked to be, you know, at the proper time, at the proper place, uh, and you're going to play the right notes and not be a jerk about it, you know? And I think once you've got that reputation and people, especially people like household names, like we're dropping around here, you know, that's kind of an upper echelon of players and they all know the other players. And that's like you said, the Pete Anderson thing, like you get a call here because somebody knows you. Oh yeah, Jonathan Clark, he's a great guy and he's a good player. You should get him, you know? Yeah. And I just, I never really, for some reason was never really, uh, trying to rack in my brain is like, who would I meet that that I would be completely starstruck by. I can only think of one guy. Who? I mean, uh, I don't want to steal your thunder, but like Tom Waits. Well, he would blow my mind. Yeah, because I mean, I've I've been around famous people so many times working in this business, and I, I you know I don't like I don't get starstruck because I like hanging around interesting people who've done interesting right. things. It's one of the reasons I'm in this business. Is that you know whether you, you know money, fame, whatever I could give it or take it or leave it, but people who've done interesting things. I completely agree. Is what's interesting to me, and I don't. You know, I've met, I've produced interviews with Glenn Fry. I've met Glenn, and I've met John Hyatt and Steve Earle, and and some big name folks. And I just talk to them like people because most of them are just people who happen to have done interesting things. 
But I think yeah. Tom Waits, like if I got in a room with him, because I'm just You'd freak I, out. I revere. Well, I wouldn't freak out. Like, <laughs> but I, I revere him. I yeah. revere him as an artist and his music. And I wouldn't know what to do with myself. Maybe it would be Peter Gabriel for me. Okay. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah. I mean, that record so just kind of freaked me out. Changed a lot of people's lives. Yeah. I think. But you know, it's what's really interesting is that I just, at such a young age, I just kind of found myself in these situations with, as you said earlier, these kind of household names and these really famous people. And it was just kind of, it was just kind of normal. It was yeah. just kind of the norm. It was never... Like I hadn't had like a whole, like a lot of life experience before. You didn't know any better. <laughs> I, that's exactly kind of what I'm saying. It's, it's, it's kind of a blessing. Yeah, yeah. Because I didn't, I didn't really know any better. And, you know, it's, yeah. I, it's almost like I didn't have time to freak out. Like my fear yeah. and insecurity of not being good enough for the gig or blowing it or not doing, you know, having a gig or a job. Yeah. You know, that I was so like focused on that, that I didn't, I almost didn't have, it's like, oh yeah, hi, nice to meet you. Okay, I just was yeah. so focused and concentrated. Life is funny that way because there's certain things that I know that I can do that, uh, the you know, people ask me like, how do you, I'm not saying I'm great or stellar or whatever, but there's certain things I can do. Uh, for example, like just singing and playing guitar, people together simultaneously or drums or mandolin or whatever. Like I can play a multiple multitude of instruments and sing at the same time, sometimes more than one with the harmonica and the kick drum and all these different things. Right. And people who aren't musicians look and they say, you know, how do you how do you do those things? And I, the only answer I can come up with was it never occurred to me that I couldn't. Yes. It never. No one ever told me that I couldn't do that. So I just did it. That is such a great point. I'm really glad you brought that up. It and God, just kind of how I got, actually, how I got into the music business was kind of out of competition with my oldest brother. Uh-huh. And he was singing Peaceful Easy Feeling on the front lawn, and all the neighbor kids were hanging around. And of course, the girl next door, who I had a crush on, uh, Suzanne Best, if you're listening, I have no idea what you look like. These of course, days, that's a pseudonym. Of course, what? For, oh yeah, our team of lawyers would like to. <laughs> that's a pseudonym. Her real name is not that. No, no, good God, no, no. I, anybody's last name is Best? Yeah, no. But uh, so he was singing and playing this song, and they were all crying. Of course I was a jock. Oh my lord. I was I was a jock. Yeah, uh, I was a the quarterback. I was playing quarterback. When jocks the, make um, girls cry it's for an entirely it's different entire, reason. Yeah, it's like, man, I'm sorry. I didn't I didn't mean to No, uh all seriousness. Um I saw I was running track, playing football, baseball, anything I could get my hands on. I was really athletic. And Two things happened. We did a school assembly with my with my brothers. Actually, this was after that, because I saw the way that he made these people feel. He evoked emotion from these people. He made just made them feel something, and it was something that you're not gonna do throwing touchdown passes unless you got a lot of money on the game. And then we, the, the, my older brother and. The next oldest brother, I'm in the middle of five. And uh, they were both really into music, so they wanted to start a little band. I, of course, got into guitar out of competition with, you know, my oldest brothers. It's like, just after that, it's like, okay, this is going to change. So walked in, mom, dad, want a guitar. It's like, well, we're not just going to get you a guitar. You need to 
you know, if you're serious, then I want you to learn everything that your brother knows and just show us that you're serious. So borrowed the guitar, locked myself in a room for a weekend, came out, did a little recital, said, I want a guitar. And it was like, well, okay, we'll, we'll get you a guitar. Of course, the only thing left to, to form a little family band was bass because my brother played the guitar. So I had right. to switch quickly from guitar to bass. Um, you know what? Therein, if I may interrupt for one second, yeah. that instilled you a lifetime of working. Yes. Because that's the difference between bass players and guitar players in this true. business. So go on. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Um, and so we had, we had learned, picked up a few tunes, and I think it was the week before, I, the weekend before, played a game, touchdown pass, people coming up, slapping your back. Hey, Clark, good game. This is great. And it's like, all right, man, cool. And then we did a school assembly. And girls that I didn't even know, didn't think, that knew that I existed. Just people out of the woodwork, guys, girls, everybody just coming up saying, oh my God, that was so amazing. I had no idea that you guys could do that. It was like I wanted to cry. That was just so beautiful. And again, reinforce the, this, this is something that touches people. And I realized pretty quickly that I want to make a difference to people somehow, some way. I want to make them feel something whether you're happy or sad or whatever it is. And so I just quickly, that was about 14 and a half, 15 years old when that started and was gigging professionally from about 16 years old. And it's the only job I've ever had. It's a beautiful thing, Jonathan. And let's, let's take a stick. Let's step away for just a second okay. and play. I want to play a little bit of your music here. Or right. I want you to play some of your music here. You've brought well, your guitar into the studio here. It's a wonderful thing. We'll come back. We'll pick that that trail up because it's a really okay. good story. I like the story. I like where we're going with this. What's the first tune you've got for us here tonight? The first tune I have is uh, actually the tune that I guess would have been slated for a single. Uh, had <laughs> if they existed anymore. <laughs> if they existed. Uh, yeah, I did sign a huge record deal, uh, but I just couldn't get them to sign it. So, um, <laughs> Like Jason Isbell says, <laughs> yeah. I, I sell dozens of records. Yes, exactly. Uh, so this first song is called I'll Be There. All right, let's hear this. My guest tonight, Jonathan Clark, so very happy to have him in our studio. This is a track from his most recent record, which is called I'm Just Saying the Track, I'll Be There. Let's hear this, man. Heaven's in your eyes tonight It's like falling inside of a dream But it's so real the way you're holding me just feels so right You tell me all I need to know Without a sound your fingertips show The way you feel so right Just holding me tonight I believe a heart can hear And you will see that I'll be there Anytime your heart calls my name I'll be there Let your heart come out and play we will run to a place I know And we'll be free Just take my hand and we will go 
find the strength you need in me I will stand before all you fear Don't be afraid Cause love is near Anytime you need I believe A heart can hear And you will see That I'll be there Anytime your heart calls my name I'll be there I'll be there Yeah, I'll be there Oh, anytime your heart calls my name I'll be there Say you'll never let me go Let me hold you forever in my arms You are the light I see it in your eyes tonight Cause I believe a heart can hear And you will see that I'll be there Anytime your heart calls my name Oh, anytime your heart calls my name I'll be there I'll be there Yeah, I'll be there Very, very nice man, Jonathan Clark, with the track, a live track in our studio uh, from I'm Just Saying, which is his most recent record. Seems like only yesterday when it came out, but I guess it's been a, a, a few years. Do you have any plans to do another record? Yes, I am working on that. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be a very different record uh, yeah. this time. Um, well, you got to keep moving, man. Yeah, that was a project done with my brother, and it was the first record that we had both done. And uh, he's, of course, a very successful businessman but but an artist but he's uh he loves but a, a graphic artist okay so but he uh he was always the drummer in our little family band and always wanted to make a record and so it was like his first record so the learning curve was yeah it took way too long and it was yeah, yeah. doesn't it always yeah the first record takes forever but you know what they say you know you've got your whole life to make your first record and then like a year and a half to make your second record yeah but everything's different now i mean uh you know it, we were just saying this a second ago uh there are as many ways to do the music business as there are people in the music business, yes. you know, and it used to be a little more codified. There used to be kind of a path you took or tried to take and that just kind of got blown away. And now it's like the wild west. Everybody yeah. does it every different way, every conceivable way. Absolutely. You know, and so many, it's just like everything else at home. So many of the responsibilities of us as artists was pushed down onto us. So here's our studio assistant. Hi, Sally. Hi. Hi, baby. So, you know, so many things that used to be handled by like the infrastructure of the business are now, are now we do them, you know, like the, the, we're our own promoters. Yeah. There used to be like a promotions department, you know, like you'd release a record and, you know, not, I'm not saying that big labels or small labels were a, a great deal, but there was an infrastructure, you know, yeah. you'd re release an album and then they would, that album would go to the promotions department. And this is an overly simplified version of it, but those people had a job to promote your record. And then, 
you know, same goes for like all the other aspects of it. Now it's all been pushed off on us. Like we kind of have to do everything. I guess my, my point is it's all changed. Like the way that we used to do this and the way we go about it now has changed. But I, I digress from all that because we could talk about that for like 16 hours straight probably. Tell me a little bit more about this story, you know, like your backstory about getting into music. You've got these brothers. You're like the middle child. You know, you're competing with them. Um, you know, what was it like in your household? You said there was some moving around. <laughs> what was it like in our household? Um, yeah, for whatever reason, we moved around a lot. And uh, wasn't a military thing. I was not a military brat. No, that's the first thing that everybody. Uh, uh, assumes was your father like running from the law? Or? <laughs> no, he. Uh, my father was one of the most brilliant minds. She, there was just. Uh, I'm, uh, she should probably, you should probably have him on the show. He's fascinating. No, he's he's it's a brilliant mind. He can just come up with any any business plan or a logo or a catchphrase and just a whole. I mean, he's he's really brilliant. Um, and there were just there was just deals that started and maybe didn't kind of pan out or then heard about another deal somewhere else and then so I, I was born originally in uh in Inglewood, California and then just kind of moved all around here and then the West Valley and Tarzana and Orange County and then we ended up moving to Florida for about 8 years from you know about I was about 5 years old maybe and lived uh Everywhere from, you know, from Orlando to Miami and, you know, places in between, I'm sure. And sometimes, like, seven of us all, like, in a one-bedroom apartment yeah. or hotel room or, you know, that had happened several times. And, yeah, we, we just we just moved a lot and um, kind of started getting into music when we moved from Florida to Reno. Interesting. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was really that was really interesting because we moved from I think Coconut Grove, Florida, and we had the the I don't know weird hemp pants with some like a like a rope for a belt, and we all had tans and long hair and just I mean it was nuts. And we rolled into Reno. Damn, Clark's. And it was like, oh, man, I don't know, man. So uh, that was very interesting. And and that's when, you know, so my whole life, it was like I was the new kid in town, speaking of the Eagles, um, and trying to just trying to fit into a new situation. Um, so when I when I moved to Reno, I was like at first day in school, it's like, all right, trying out for the track team, going out for the football team. I'm going up, you know, you just you needed that was your survival, like just, just assimilate, just acclimate into the to the environment, the situation, as quickly as you can. Find your way in. Find your way in. Yeah, and then it was uh, it was maybe a year or so, maybe a year and a half, a couple of years after that, that this whole music music thing just kind of kind of started, and yeah, it just it just kind of took off. It was really weird. I I was never really interested. I was never really um, didn't grow up just like you know as a as a small child like sitting in a dark room with headphones listening to records going like oh my god someday because i would be in there like you know 
kicking paper footballs through a, you know, <laughs> you know, just, I mean, I was just obsessed with sports and yeah. athletics and, and which is all. funny because for so many people, uh, like the sport, like in my high school, like talking about warring factions, like they didn't coexist in my high school, but everybody's my friend, Jay, his, his high school, like he was on the football team and, and way into music. Like they could peacefully coexist in his high school. But in my high school, those two didn't mix. There's one guy who yeah. did music and sports and like the teachers would fight over this kid, you know, and maybe he liked it that way. And that's cool to be in demand. But <laughs> you know, like in my high school, like I was, I, you know, I ran track and I played a little bit of basketball, a little bit of football. But then when I really got into music, it was almost as if I had to make a choice. And some of that was time-based. We yeah. only had so much time to devote in the yeah. day, you know, because with both of those pursuits, there's like endless practices and rehearsals and, and games and performances and tours and, you know, all these things that go on, equipment. And, you know, your parents, until you're a certain age, you're dependent upon your parents for schlepping you around with all this stuff. And at one point, I kind of just made the choice. Like, I felt like I fit in more with the music people than I did with the sports people. You know, maybe it's a function of competition or personality on my part. Who knows? Great, great point, too. Again, you, you, had, you spoke earlier about just... Just liking to be around really interesting, creative, talented people. Um, my my father, who you know, again, very creative. But my mom was actually a Hollywood starlet. She was under contract at MGM, and uh, but that wasn't really her thing. She didn't really want to kind of do that. But my dad was all about the sports. So, um, so I just kind of I was like kind of his last hope. Because like the you know the two oldest now are like you know my yeah. brother is in the is in theater and he's doing, you know took third in the state for humorous interpretation and he was doing all the plays and he was singing and my brother was in jazz band and all of that stuff so I did have a little bit of that kind of that association with the music side of high school with my two older brothers, um, but didn't really pay that much attention to it because I was doing two a day practices with football and all of that stuff. But so when I did kind of get into music quickly, I didn't want to let my father down by not being an athlete. Father's loom large. Yes. And he was a Navy SEAL and you know, he's 80, he's not on one medication yeah. and he's just, the guy's just a, you know, like Jack LaLanne. Oh my God. He's just going to be, he's going to outlive us all. Uh, and so I really didn't want to let him down, but it was it was pretty quick when I um, and come to find out that he is just the biggest mush ball and the most creative you know beautiful guy you know uh, so they really embraced that uh, after we kind of started really getting into music but I did start hanging out I would kind of play sports but didn't really like hanging out with those guys so I would kind of play sports but then hang out with my brother and all the all the dudes in the jazz band and you know kind of was an honorary member i guess yeah. doing that but uh but yeah that's there was just being around creative interesting people way more so than than athletes for me yeah it's interesting uh when the crossover types, the, like the few people I can think of that were like really into sports and music. And the two examples come to mind. Chris Isaac was a boxer. Really? Like you think of with Chris, that face? With, I know. That's what I think. Like, I mean, <laughs> he's kind of thinking? a pretty boy. Like I'm going to, I'm just going to lay this down. Like if I had a man crush, like if I, if I, if I were, if I were gay, 
I would be camped out on Chris Isaac's lawn. Okay. I find him to okay. be he's an attractive man. He is an attractive man. He's smart, sharp witted, you know, right. smart guy, great music, you know, if you're into that kind of thing. <laughs> and uh, but he was a boxer. Really? I got like he's really pretty into boxing, and I always thought that was kind of interesting, especially like that same thing you said with that face. And the other, uh, I'm, I'm sure that this, you know, it's not like you have to exclusively exclusively be one or the other, but it doesn't seem to be a whole lot of overlap in the people I've met in my life. The other yeah. one is the band Boston. They were way into basketball. Like when they would tour, they would take a, a rim and set it up like backstage. Like they'd play big summer festivals, cool. and they'd take a basketball and take a rim, and they'd shoot ball. We had uh, a rim outside of my rehearsal space when I was growing up, but I would always jam my finger, and then I'd go back in, and I couldn't play. It was awful. That was another reason why I kind of quit doing sports, playing yeah. basketball, and I dislocated my finger and couldn't play for about uh, six yeah. months, and that was just, yeah, that, that didn't work out for me at all. So Yeah, and at one point, that becomes your livelihood. Oh, yeah. You know, like what, What's more realistic? Are you going to make money in your life as an athlete or as a musician? And both seem kind of far-fetched, I guess, to a lot of people mm-hmm. um were your parents were, you, were they supportive of your musical endeavors well uh they they were yes absolutely um we actually my two older brothers and i and a pickup musician actually uh all right i'll say this we're we're on the radio man no um actually i am a uh, i'm a high school dropout Interesting. And so it was pretty much everyone in my family. We kind of really didn't have a choice. Um, we were kind of moving around so much and uh, tried to keep the younger ones. You know, my mom tried to keep the younger ones in, in school for a bit. But then there was a point where we were all living back in, uh, we were living in Sun Valley and all seven of us, like, you know, small one bedroom and not a great area in Sun Valley. Uh, and... Of course, my older brother and I were out playing basketball one night, coming home, and were confronted by uh, people, and kind of got a little got a little out of control, and uh, a little scary, gotta tell you, and a little dangerous, and kind of just went home shaking, freaking out, told my dad and mom, everybody, you know what was going on, and he picked up the phone. Because at this point we were kind of doing gigs around town. I was like, I was like 15 or 16. We were playing a gig at the Bonaventure Hotel. Me and my older brothers had a 13 week gig there. That had just finished, and so this whole thing kind of went down. And my dad called this guy Donnie Brooks, who actually had this hit in the 60s, Mission Bell and Dollhouse and things like that. And just again, out of default, playing with this, you know, classic like 50s rock guy uh, just because we were kind of available. And I had never heard these tunes. I didn't know what these were, you know, and he just, here's the tune, it's in C, just follow along. And that was my musical... One, two, three, go. That was my musical upbringing. I never went to college for music. I never was like studied. I never learned, you know, I mean, it just, it was all by listening to stuff and somebody saying, can you do this? And what you brought up earlier... I didn't know better. I didn't know that I could. And it was like, well, sure. I don't know what, what key is it in. And let me, can I hear it a couple of times? It's like, yeah, no, I think I can do that. And I kind of did that. So anyway, he called him up and said, we got to get out of here. We, we want to move up to Seattle. So, uh, 
you got to help us get out of here. Can you get us a gig up there? So he said, there's an agency that I know up there and they're, they're looking for bands that are playing in this circuit, this top 80s, top 40 circuit up there. So we loaded up everything in our, like all of our possessions, big 18 foot truck, our entire world and all, and whatever musical gear we had. And we hired a keyboard player who thank God had perfect pitch. So we're all driving in a van from Los Angeles to Moscow, Idaho. Um, and keyboard player's got these headphones on and he's like transcribing top 40 tunes that we can like try and do. We just had to get a few songs together that we could do a gig. We went up there and just went right to some Holiday Inn in Moscow, Idaho for a month. And we had this gig. And the first week sucked. It was horrible. Murph and the Magic Tones from the Blues yeah, Brothers. Man. Exactly. Don't you change it. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, we were like, we were just kind of helpless and hopeless and just like, but we were all kind of, you know, we were young. I mean, I was like just like 17 or something and you know, brothers, but the whole family and my mom's running lights and my dad's running sound and we're just, you know, we just just limping through this gig. But by the end of that month, it was like, well, you guys kind of pulled that one out, and uh, you know, there's another you know, gig. So we went from there to another hotel for a month. So in the hopes that we were going to find a place to live up there, we ended up doing that for about three and a half, four years. Our little family band supporting the entire family, just moving from one hotel to another, month after month, just doing gigs, and then we pick up maybe another musician, and then we get a little more gear, and then kind of ended up being like one of the bigger bands in that whole circuit, yeah. like spandex and sleeveless and the lights and the rocking, and they got a guitar player that could play Eddie Van Halen solos. It's like, yeah, great, come on. So we ended up being a five-piece band at one point, and kind of, you know, we supported our family. I was supporting my family with my two older brothers and for, for years, and so that was... That was kind of the, the second half of my high school. Uh, Jonathan. Was that? Your upbringing was entirely unlike mine. <laughs> I'm also one of five children. Really? I'm the oldest of five. Okay. And not As far as I can tell, none of them exhibited very much interest in music at all. Interesting. So I'm a little bit of the black sheep in that regard. Like well, there cool. was a little bit of hope for my youngest sister, but she never... Never really came to fruition. Wow, I wish it had. I wish it had. You know, like I tried. I remember one time I tried teaching my brother how to play bass because I was like, "Man, that would be the perfect right? thing in the world." Exactly. He's practically me. Yeah. You know, and it's like if you know, and I can play all these different instruments. Like, surely he can pick these things up. I was like, I'd have my brother and my band would be like the greatest thing in the entire world. That's what I thought. I love this guy. You know, it's like he's like I said. I mean, I even know what we're gonna fight about. Because, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but uh, you know, I, I remember teaching him a little bit, and he still has a guitar. And I, I, you know, he loves music. They all love music, but never could get him like over that hump to like. So where did you where did you get that? And, like, did, were your parents musically inclined, or did they did, did they? You know, the only creative? thing my not real. Well, yes and no. My mom sang. My dad sang around the house. Okay. You know, he would just sing, you know, uh, old country tunes. and But he wasn't really a singer per se. I don't think he had a, ever had a lick of training. Um, my mother sang in church choir. Okay. And I grew up grew up Catholic, so we'd go to these church choirs. So that's, I guess, that if I could, let's say, one thing that was very influential upon me as a young human and musician is uh, like four and eight-part harmony. 
acapella music. Oh, yeah. Was right in there from the very beginning. And that taught me so much about how music is put together. Because since I was a kid, like it's in my DNA. I don't, when I listen to music, I don't hear just the melody. You know, I hear all the parts because I always could hear all the parts. I could always hear them from the beginning. I could hear the alto and the second alto and the first soprano and the second soprano and the first tenor and the second tenor and the baritone and the bass. Like it was all there. That's great. And, you know, so now, you know, when I do music, you know, it's like I always joke that I learned how to play all the instruments in the band so I could boss people around. That's fantastic. But that's because I knew I wanted, I, I had ideas for all these instruments, you know. And when it comes to the drum part, like, I'm not going to be a total jerk about it. At least I hope not. But I have these ideas. Like, okay, I, I got an idea for the drum part. And I can kind of show you a little bit. But I know how to, I can hear it. I'm not just saying do a little of this. Right. It's this part. That's you know, fantastic. It's on purpose, yeah. you know. Anyway, I, it's, this show's not about me. It's about you. Oh, it's How dare you turn the microphone <laughs> on me, Jonathan? <laughs> I kid, I kid. No, it's it's great. No, it's, discussion is, is is what makes us human. Yeah, man. What it makes was, us all? We're just talking, baby. Part of the human experience. But how about you know? We've talked for a long time. Let's play a little bit more of your music. Okay. Well, you've got another tune for us. What's this going to be? Yes, man? I've been talking so much. I, I don't really feel like saying. Do we? Have, okay. <laughs> all right. You know what? I tell you what. I got a song, and this is actually an interesting story. Uh, um, real quick, this uh, this next song is called Marissa Smiles that I would like to that I like to play. Uh, many years ago, maybe about ten years, some years ago, um, I uh, I got divorced, which is part of the whole. Um, it's part of the problem of being being a touring musician. I think you know it's uh, it's a hard a, life. Yeah, they they love people the, see the glamour, they but they love don't see the, the hard fact part. that it's like wow, you're creative and you're on stage and this is really cool and let's get married and okay, no, 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 hey, we're married now. You need to, I, I need you to fix the fence and you need to be home more and we want to have kids and everything. And so it was. Um, wonderful girl. We're still good friends. Remarried, has a baby. She's everything is great. But, Not uh, married to a musician, probably? No, she found her Prince tool belt, and uh, everything is going great. Uh, so, lovely guy, she's a lovely lady, and everything worked out. So, it was all meant to be. But, um, my point was, <laughs> what was my point? Um, Talking about uh, the song, Marissa, yes, uh, Marissa Smiles. that's right. I got divorced. See, I was trying to block that. No, I got divorced, and found myself living in... Sherman Oaks, which is not a bad place to find yourself living, by the way. And so first thing I did was, all right, I got to find a coffee shop. Got to find some place to go get my coffee. So went down the road and I found this coffee shop. And I went in there and there was a young lady behind the counter named Marissa. And first thing she did is like, hi, my name is Marissa. Can I get you some coffee? What can I help you with? Good morning. Hope you're having a great day. Just the whole and the, te- the teeth wrapping around the back of her face, her head, and just this amazing smile. And the co- and her smile actually worked better than the coffee. I was going to say, was it better than the coffee? Yeah, I found it was just, I just found it's like, oh my god. And truth is, I never actually had a conversation with her. I did find out her name. It's like, what is your name, Marissa? Great. Never had a conversation with her, but because I'd probably just screw everything up. But I did find myself going back there like daily just to kind of sit there and watch her. And it wasn't just me. It was everybody that walked in. She just had this electrifying smile and personality that just was infectious and addictive. And I just, I had to go there every day. So... 
her name was Marissa, and this song is called Marissa Smiles. All right, let's hear this, man. Jonathan Clark, once again, it's an honor to have you on the show, man. Let's Thank hear this you. tune. get going today I need to go to the coffee shop just down the road to see this girl I know and when she smiles she takes my breath away it brightens up my day when Marissa smiles at me when she smiles the blues just melt away Everything's gonna be okay When Marissa smiles I can face the world I got my grande black eye And I saw the girl it Makes me so high I'm not the only one Who gets a smile for free Yeah, she brightens up Everyone she sees And every day I go To the coffee shop just down the road To see this girl I know And when she smiles She takes my breath away It brightens up my day When Marissa smiles at me When she smiles The blues just melt away Everything's gonna be okay When Marissa smiles So keep on smiling To everyone you see Keep on smiling Girl, you know it sets us free Just keep on smiling Life is gonna be A much, much better place When she smiles, she takes my breath away It brightens up my day When Marissa smiles at me When she smiles, the blues melt away Everything's gonna be okay When Marissa smiles So keep on smiling To everyone you see on smiling Girl, you know it sets us free Just keep on smiling Life is gonna be A much, much better place Yeah, a better place To keep on now Just keep on, keep on smiling Yeah, yeah, yeah Girl, keep on smiling Smiling. 
My name is Joe Armstrong. You are listening to Independence Day. I'm so very happy to bring you tonight's artist, Jonathan Clark. He is a bass player. He is a singer-songwriter. He plays in Dwight Yoakam's band. But, man, he's played with some heavy hitters. If you know him, you are one degree of separation from most of the Eagles, from Christopher Cross, from Laura Branigan, Peter Cetera, which is from the band Chicago, and probably a bunch of other folks, too, that you didn't even bother putting on your resume. Uh, he's a good human being, he's a good musician, and that's a great combination and makes him perfect for our show tonight. You can learn Thank about you. him, jonathanjclark.com. Also, you can find him on the Facebook, facebook.com slash jonathanjclark. I'm sorry, I, I screwed up it's your website, Jonathan Clark Music. That's correct, it's jonathanclarkmusic.com. Yes. Uh, also, follow him on Twitter at jonathanjclark, just the letter J there. And of course, indepday.com for everything you want to know about our show. And that's a song about a girl. And there's nothing cooler like girls and cars, man. That's right. That's it. That's the Springsteen thing. You want to write. You want. You want people to listen to your tunes. You write about chicks and cars. Yeah. You know, because everyone can identify with that. You either, you know, you want to, you want to be that guy or you want to be with that guy if you're yeah. a girl. And if that's it's why a, Pink Cadillac was such a huge hit. Chicks and cars. Chicks all in and the cars same song. together, man. Come on. You know, and it's like we, we touched on Tom Waits earlier. One thing he's adept at. One thing, if you want, if you want to make a song, I think I'm convinced of this. You want to make a song really uh relatable to people put a place in your song yes and tom waits is exemplary at doing that yes you know uh, johnsburg illinois and uh placerville up in northern california like he puts all these different places ninth and hennepin and minneapolis like all these places he puts them in there and it gives you a sense of place you can ground it right there so easily you know and if you've got an association with that place then it takes you right there and then you've got your added experience on top of what he's trying to tell you. Yeah, I mean, Springsteen got the entire world to dig New Jersey. It's like hey, yeah. Fantastic. Seriously, Cleveland needs that, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and Cleveland gets a bad rap. You know, I've spent time in Cleveland. I've actually had a great time in Cleveland. Yeah. I'm trying to think of the crappiest. I, place. You know what, Houston. I'm sorry. I don't know, really? I, well, I've Houston, had rough times in Houston. Yeah. Galveston, I've had great times. But Houston's like hot and humid and... It's like a big city, but like a heavy city. I yeah. don't know, man. Bad traffic. I had a bad experience in Houston. Okay, no, I I can respect that. And, you know what? When you I was on to tour, Des Moines? the crappiest food in Houston, which is a shame because the barbecue should be good. Yeah, it theoretically, be good. at least it really should be good. And I actually, I've had great times in Des Moines too. They have, have a, you really? They have two brew pubs in Des Moines. Oh, okay. Well, you're into brew pubs, but uh, yeah, no, there there. Uh, I won't name any cities, but but there are some cities that I've been in that it always. Uh, uh, it amazes me that somebody, that a family pulled up with a U-Haul full of their, their stuff and just kind of looked around yeah. and went, oh, yeah. This is it. Oh, yeah, baby. This Un- is unload the truck, man. The we're, gold, we're home. Golden streets of El Dorado. This is the <laughs> oh, promised land. Yeah. Talk, talk to me about, you know, because you spent, you know, you're a full-time musician. You know, you're out with Dwight. You know, a pretty good number of dates a year. He's probably doing, what, 60 dates a year probably these Probably 7,000. Uh, <laughs> it feels like No, so. actually, it's uh, probably over 100 this year. Over 100. Yeah. Wow. He is. You guys are road dogs. He's ramping up. That's a good thing. Yeah. So but so you spend a lot of time out on the road. Uh, and what? Tell me what you like and what you don't like about being on the road. You know, either one first. Uh, what I like. There's got to be something. Yeah, how long is this show? No, uh, the, the the road actually has been has been really good. One, one of the things uh, we we've done some international travel with uh, with Dwight. Mostly, it's uh, it's been around the about been around the states. Um, one of my favorite things about the road, and I think everybody just by law should have to travel, like around the world, not yeah. just 
you know, go a couple of counties over, but, but just really the fact that I've been around the world a couple of times and I've really experienced life and culture and food and I mean, like you wake up in India and you just, you just smell like the, just the, food cooking and wood pile burning and a cow in the street i mean there's just there's just it's so many different places are so uh, they're just so unique um yeah and some of the most amazing people that i've met in some of the poorest countries that just have nothing but are just so grateful and would give you anything and it's taught me a lot about about being just being happy and appreciating what I have uh, and what I don't have, which is kind of something like just the, the peace of mind or just like uh, I was in Barcelona for a month and waiters are okay being waiters. Yeah, They're in the food service business and they make enough money to, to pay for their flat and to eat good food and to spend time with family and friends and take about nine vacations a year and nap every day for two hours from you know two to drink four. good wine and drink good wine yeah and they're okay with that they're not it's not like Los Angeles where everybody is here trying to be something something else and than a lot of these people are doing it's like I'm a waiter bartender you know whatever but it's like yeah no no I'm you know, that's my day gig and I'm really, I'm really trying to do this, but, but it's just, uh, that's probably my favorite thing is just, just seeing how the world works and just really appreciating what this planet, I mean, we're such, ah, it's just crazy. We, we just kind of live in somewhat of a bubble just even in, in this city and just, it's like how we are and what we eat and what we wear and what we drive and all of these things. And you go to some of these crazy, like go to Manila Man, you will dig. You will dig your world, and then you'll probably learn like how to appreciate life on an entirely different level if you didn't have anything. Very, very eye-opening. So that's probably my favorite thing about the road. Um, one of my least favorite things about the road is that I discovered a while ago that, uh, although in some levels it can be creative, uh, that the road primarily or live music. Although I absolutely adore it, you're still recreating something that has already been created. I love that process. And being fortunate enough to work with such a, such a great artist uh, like Dwight and work on records, I'm recreating some stuff that I you know, was a part of. People are sure. going to want to hear, even stuff you weren't part of, people are going to want to hear guitars, Cadillacs. Absolutely. When they go see you. And, and honestly, if you're a good performer, you need to satisfy your audience to a certain extent. Absolutely. Give the people and, what they want. Yeah, and, and we always, every night, we find some, we, we find magic in the music, no matter how often we've played it. We find magic in the music, and a lot of that is just because of the band and just the energy on stage. And it's it's really fun. You, you really find that every night. Um, the, uh, it's... Most of the most of the musicians that I know, not all of them, but most of the the side musicians, I guess that uh, that I know, are trying to make in some way trying to make the transition from sideman to spotlight, which is very interesting to me. It's like I always want to know who's doing what, 
and why and what kind of gigs they're doing. And depending on how much you actually traveled on the road and how much work you do, it takes you away from like your your dream. You're you're helping to facilitate someone else's dream, which is not a bad gig. Again, it's like I mean, somebody like Dwight Yoakam or Glenn Fry or you know Christopher Cross, who's become a dear friend. Is that they just? It's really an honor to play with these people, but it's still it's still time away from me actually creating sound from silence, yeah, and being able to actually make somebody as I went, you know, went back to when I first got into music, um, throwing a touchdown pass is not going to make somebody necessarily cry or, or feel something like, wow, you really understood how I or felt. Or if it does, you might want them to re-examine their priorities. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. But, you know, I realized a while ago that, you know, I got, I got something to say and I, I, I love being a part of the creative process, no matter what that is, from it's like writing TV show ideas or just I do a lot of library and source cue music and writing stuff for TV and movies. And and uh, and I'm, I'm actually busier in town than I am on the road. I actually have to go to work to actually get a good night's sleep or to like to actually relax a little bit. Sometimes the travel can be crazy, but it's, I mean, when, man, when I'm at home, I'm I'm just hitting it like crazy yeah. every day it's like two three writing sessions or another vocal session or trying to write or pitching an idea and having a meeting with a producer and you know so i love the creative process and it's hard to do that sometimes on the road do you ever look at people who made more traditional choices and is there any bit of envy you know because there are times you know because i've made very non-traditional choices in my life you know, I'm not like most people I know from my high school or most people I know from my circle who have right. kids and mortgages. And, you know, I, I made choices. I made different, very, very different choices. But there are times when I look at the people who made more traditional choices and I think, damn, you know, they've got a much nicer stereo than I have. And I say that jokingly, but it's just a metaphor for all the different things they have that are more stable about my life or are less stable about my life that are more stable about theirs. Do you ever look at that and just and, and with a, a little bit of envy? Mm. And you can say no. If you don't, that's totally, that's an acceptable answer. It's a really, really great question. Uh, great question. There have been times, it would be, there have been times when I've looked at that and thought, it would be great to know, because one of the downfalls of like just the hardest things about being in any kind of a love relationship and being in, in this kind of music, at least with the girls that, uh, that, I have, that I have spent time with or dated or lived with or been married to, um, that <laughs> just sounded like a lot of women right there, but <laughs> you're no. a bass player in a rock That's band, right. Jonathan. Let's not make any illusions about this, all right? <laughs> That's funny, but it's driven it kind of really. It's driven them all crazy because I, you know, we would make plans to do something, or it's like because they've had more, you know, some of them more traditional lives, or it just at least they kind of knew. This is how much money I'm kind of making every month. This is how much time I have off. And I got weekends off. And so just like, you know, when I come home from the road or if I have a weekend off or whatever time, it's like, I would really love to go 
get on a plane, go to a hotel, and just kind of chill out and spend some time in a hotel. Like, yeah, just kind of did that for two months. Yeah, but, I've been living uh, in hotels. I've been and living in, in hotels, and yeah. Um, or you make a plan. It's like, okay, this is it. We're going to your families for Thanksgiving. This is going to be great. Florida, here we come. And you get a gig or yeah. a session or something comes up where it's like, yeah, I can't do that. So there have been times when I thought, yeah, it'd be kind of nice to do that. But but the coolest, again, kind of going back to like one of my favorite parts about the road uh, and this is just part of my nature for as much as I moved around when I was a child and just, I've just been kind of, I'm like the gypsy poster child as far as just, uh, just, it's, I have to create my life and my home and whatever's going on, like wherever it is. Um, I have a different office pretty much every day. That's beautiful to me. I would rather have a crappy stereo and not work in a cubicle or not have a, a regular day job. And have to answer to somebody because I still ultimately I get to make my own choices and decide even who I want to play with, how long I want to play with them, what I want to do, how much I want to work. But downside is that I do. Uh, you have a gig like this. I mean, it it it's it, truly a blessing that you know that you have some work unless you do something really stupid on the road. But you, I, I've got some work for, you know, as long as I keep doing my, my gig and showing up and, and doing my job. Um, there's a little bit of job security in that, but, uh, but yeah, I, um, I, I don't think I would change, change anything. It would be nice to have, you know, insurance with a company and, <laughs> you know, like dental or something. What, but, what is this insurance of which you speak? Uh, I don't know. There's something new going on right now. I'm not uh, sure. the news a lot. I heard something about that. Yeah. All right, man. How about some more music? This, this sure. is a, You know what? This is a really fun conversation, man. This is really... Thank you. We're getting, uh, we're getting, getting to the heart of some issues here. It's, uh, it's good. It's my favorite thing to do, man. Me too. You know, well... We'll have to do this at the pub next time. Ooh. So what, what have you got for us? You got like one more tune? We probably have time for one more, I think. Okay, yeah, we got, I, it looks like we got time for about one more tune. Um, you know, this is, uh, this is a brand new song. This is a song that is not on, uh, on my last record. Uh, this is a song that will definitely be on the next one. Um, Any ballpark at all when we might see that, or is it kind of doing it at its own pace? It's going to be, well, let's see. Have you got tracks already recorded? I've got pretty much most of the songs all kind of demoed out. But what, okay. one thing that I'm going to do is I'm uh, probably going to uh, employ the genius of people like Mitch Marine, Brian Whelan, and Eugene Jaramillo. These are, these are your uh, bandmates these in my, Dwight's band. They're my lovely bandmates. Crack. Band. They, it is crack a, it's band. a crack band. You know, uh, I really I love and respect all of these guys. They're all amazing, amazingly talented in their own right. Some of you may have seen this band, the Grand Ole Echo, this summer. Brian did a headlining show. Yeah, that was fun. And all you guys were the backup band. And it was hot. I can't say this word on the air, but it was hot. Yes. I'm going to leave the second word out, but it was hot. Hot stuff. Right. Man. Well, you know, what? Uh, my grand scheme is that I'm... I, you know, you got you got this kind of talent in this band. Uh, other than Mitch singing, it's you know we we got the new Eagles, man. I mean, yeah. we could 
you know, this is... Well, the Eagles I mean, started as a background band for I Linda know, Ronstadt. right? Most people don't know that. They were her backup band, and they were all good enough to do their own thing, and off they went. Dare I say Dwight is our Linda, but I don't... <laughs> no, it, but, no, it's, you know, there, there's so much talent, and Eugene plays many instruments. Brian plays everything that he touches, and... Mitch can't sing, but you know we got other singers. He doesn't have to be a singing drummer, but but he's a really really talented producer. And but I just really adore all of these guys and, and just, good humans. Oh that's yeah, the that's other what I'm saying. Thing. I just love these you guys. Know, you meet people in the business, and some of them you just as soon you know run them over with your car as as say hello to them because they're intolerable human beings. Yes, and I don't say I'm not you know I'm I'm not going to name any names. That's not what I'm getting. At. I'm not thinking of anyone in particular. But in this business, there are people who are jerks. You know, but unlike you, I actually I have a list here of uh, no, I'm kidding. Um, yeah, it's you know I've I've played in a lot of um, some of the other bands that I played in have been very large bands, like you've got percussion and a horn section and two keyboard players and two guitar players and yeah. this whole thing. And there's the so Henley many, bands were pretty big. Yeah, they were pretty big, and there was a, a point with Glenn and Joe where there was you know there was a just horn section and the, I mean there was just it was like twelve people on stage. There is something really cool about having like a really tight four-piece band that is backing up this amazing artist. This legendary. Like, still legendary, like still like groundbreaking, just cutting edge in his genre that he keeps recreating uh, every time he, you know, records something. Uh, so it's, it's really cool and it's really fun. And that's been one of the biggest thrills about playing with Dwight and playing with this, uh, this band is that it's a very small, tight, you know, everybody gets along and it's, it's great. So a band that you're going to enlist that I'm going to enlist for this new record. Yes. And one of these songs is, uh, this is a song called saying goodbye. And you know, I'm, um, I'm not going to give anything away, but, uh, I mean, I have been, I started young, but I've been playing music for 33 years. Like on an you told in, me you were 35 years. Internet. Well, I thought I told your dog that, but I guess you were listening. But so 30, yeah, 33 years, like on an international touring level, like for over 25 years. So I'm no spring chicken. But uh, it's getting to that point in life where uh, some loved ones and even old bandmates uh, have been been passing away, and this has been a very very trying couple of years. Aunts, uncles, dear friends, um, mentors. It's been a very uh, very a very emotional couple of years in a lot of ways, and uh, this is just a song about just about saying goodbye. About real stuff. About real stuff. And I don't say that lightly. No, I you, know you, you can, don't. I know you, you can, don't. You can talk about losing people and death, because I've faced a lot of that in my family, too, yeah. the, last, the last couple of years, and my mother's going through some health struggles right now as we speak. And you can talk about it, and you've got your ideas of what you think about it. But just like anything else, I think you really don't know what you think about something until you go through it. You're absolutely right. And, you know, I think there was a point where it's like, Three people, and I just lost, and and also just the death, if you will, of of a very long term relationship. So yeah. whether you're talking about um, 
and I sang this song live a little while ago too, and and a lady came up to me, and she just she just lost uh, this rescue dog that she had, and she was oh. just she was sobbing like, Jonathan, going, oh my god, uh, we can't touch the we can't touch yeah. the losing of dogs, man. I've, I will lose it right here, I right now. Buried dogs. I mean, believe me, I've been on every side of it, so it's been kind of prevalent in my life, and and it's like there was this time where it was like fiance and 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 the mentor and all this stuff and it was just ah this song i mean i couldn't even write i couldn't write fast enough to get this song out well uh so this song is called uh saying goodbye Looks like this ride is through Don't all that we can do I don't want to see it So I turn the other way For no other reason Then it's hard for me to say doesn't get easier The more you try You can't get used to it Before you die You search for peace to ease your mind That you never seem to find It doesn't get easier To say goodbye Another fight is done To find a love is gone I don't want to feel it I pretend that it doesn't show I know all the reasons I just don't want to let you go No doesn't get easier The more you try You can't get used to it Before you die You search for peace to ease your mind That you never seem to find It doesn't get easier To say goodbye Everything we shared Living life like we didn't care Now it all comes down to this Life of love and a simple kiss goodbye Oh, oh, oh. Doesn't get easier the more you try. You won't get used to it until you die. You search for peace to ease your mind that you never seem to find. It doesn't get easier to say goodbye. No. Oh. 
Once again, Jonathan Clark singing real songs about real things and real people and real uh, real emotions that matter, man. Very, very nice tune. And I Thank like you. it when people play new tunes on the show as well. It's kind of a special thing for, for both me as the host of the show and for the audience. Because people can go out and buy the record. The record's available at your website. Are you also on like yeah. CD Baby or? Yeah, I believe so. That and iTunes and Amazon. Actually, I, yeah, I got on the, uh, I was on the, uh, I think I'll be there. I got on the Amazon 2010 nice. rock sampler. Very nice. Thing. But, you know, so it's, it's but yeah, around so and it's about. Around, yeah, it's around and about. But, you know, new stuff like that, you know, especially an intimate version that you play, an acoustic version here on the show. So it's, well, it's a I good gotta, thing to give people. i got to tell you, I've only played that song once live at, I think, Kulak's Woodshed. So uh, that that is, uh, this is the first time it's ever actually been performed or recorded uh, live anywhere. So you have the exclusive on that. Very nice. Very nice. So... You know, man, it's been honor to have you on the show. I mean, you're, you've got a lot of dates with Dwight coming up. I mean, I, we talked about this. You don't actually have, sadly for me, you don't have dates of your own coming up, although I hope you keep us informed. Working on that. If you do, I'll pass it along. But you've got all kinds of dates with Dwight. I mean, you've got in November, looking here, you've got about six or eight dates from, you know, you're in Kansas, Indiana, Ohio, Texas, a few different dates in Texas, Biloxi. Uh, you know, then you're back in San Francisco, Las Vegas. You know, these are through the end of the year. You've probably got another 15 shows with Dwight through the end of the year. Oh God, yeah, <laughs> it's great. I'm I'm thrilled about it. No, it's uh, it's been great. I'm um, yeah, been been very blessed and uh, yeah, working and looking forward to actually getting out and, and doing some of my own stuff again. And then yeah, yeah, some of your own stuff too. Dwight, uh, has he talked about recording sometime soon? Because three pairs, it's it's relatively new, but he seems to be on a streak. He is definitely on a streak. Uh, there's, uh, you know, without without saying too much, I mean, we uh, we may have gone in for a couple of fun little little things. Yeah, the, actually, there was some stuff that we recorded that is on you can find on his Facebook page, and uh, it's on SoundCloud. And there was a couple of magical moments in that session, going back to the fact of you know just the way that they used to make records. We were at Capitol Records, and he just he started riffing on this uh, tune, this tune called "Liar." He's just already kind of making this thing up, and then it's like going, I don't know, man, hit, hit record. We might as well just kind of record this thing anyway, you know, just get this idea down. And we blew this thing down, and it, the whole thing from start to finish, this band like just created the song and then he just kind of finished a couple lyrics sang some lyrics over it and it's just a it's a punk track man it's it's yeah. it's amazing chris lord algae is you know mixing it and he was freaking out and it's just he just continues to surprise and amaze me and uh yeah so always always new music coming from dwight yoakam for sure there's uh there's nothing you know speaking from someone who's been on the inside of one of these things there's nothing in the world like a like a rock band that's firing on all cylinders right and it's every, totally agree. And you've been you've played together just long enough to have it be exciting yeah. and new, but long enough to know where people are going to go and do things. There's yeah. no feeling like that in the entire world. Couldn't agree. I, mean, I don't even care what instrument I'm playing. I could be playing yeah. one of eight different instruments in that band, and I'm happy. Yeah, happy, happy. So, and then you've got you know you've got your new record you're gonna you're gonna work on with that same band. So there's no chance in hell that it won't be anything other than amazing. Ah, well, bless your heart. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's uh, I'm I'm definitely looking forward to that and uh, looking forward to getting their their energy on my uh, 
on my new record, and uh, we'll see what happens, man. All right. Well, thank you so very much, Jonathan. It's been a pleasure having you on the show tonight. It's been a real pleasure meeting you, Joe. Thank you so much. It's been an honor, and uh, thanks for thanks for having me in. My pleasure all the way around. So thank you very much to Jonathan Clark, also to the Independence Day staff, Valentino Rivera, Dale Tanksley, Wayne Topinski, and Sally Shackleton. Independence Day's theme music was composed by Great Lakes Myth Society. As always, for Independence Day, I am Joe Armstrong. Be good to one another.